you can heal yourselves. You can take that into your own hands. You can, you know, really have have that empowerment. You know, I always hear people are like, beans, you know, no, no way. That's going to make me gassy or that won't help, you know. <laughs> For me, I was the complete opposite. I was like, beans. <laughs> I got so excited because there's sort of like a, <laughs> a little saying in my family that is Bowman's light beans. Hello and welcome back to the You're a Great Podcast with your host, Unique Hammond. I created this space after years of coaching and working with clients and being on my own healing journey because I wanted to create a space for inspiration because one of the things I learned is that information is great, but sometimes it takes inspiration for us to change the course of our lives. And in the age of information overload, sometimes it can just feel like too much and we end up paralyzed and doing nothing at all. So this podcast, I endeavor to share tools, inspiration, and ideas for better health. Today's podcast is with my client, Jana, who shares her story through pregnancy and really her desire to change the course of her pregnancy story. When we started working together, she was pregnant with her third child and her two previous pregnancies, she got cholestasis, which is a bile and liver imbalance that happened late in pregnancy for her both times, causing her to get induced to take care of her and the baby. And she shares her story of discovering the bean protocol, working with me, and how this third pregnancy worked out for her. We covered a lot of topics, and one of the topics we discussed was how I asked her, were you healthy before you got pregnant? And she thought that was such an interesting question because I think under the standards of our culture, she was healthy. She took antibiotics for her acne and had painful periods and took birth control, and in today's modern world, all of that is perfectly normal, but when you begin to peel back the layers of imbalance, and I would say maybe modern healthy, but traditionally healthy, maybe not, which is an interesting conversation too of what is healthy and how do we define health? And I suppose how I would define health is being resilient, having the capacity to bounce back, have the energy to live your life, I guess we each ultimately have to define what health means to us and what does that look like. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jana, and I hope it inspires you along your own healing journey. Enjoy. Hello, Jana. Welcome to the Your Great Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about your bean protocol experience. It's very exciting to me anytime someone wants to share their healing story because mine isn't always relatable as severe as Crohn's and endometriosis can be. So to me, to show community all the different ways the Bean Protocol can be applied is really exciting. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I feel similarly. I had known what I knew in the past, it would have, you know, saved me a lot of heartache. And so maybe, you know, who knows, maybe this will reach someone else that could be helpful. 
Yes. I mean, I did a fair amount of research on cholestasis in pregnancy. And what I thought was really interesting is that there was no known prevention for it when I visited the mayoclinic.org. And I was like, well, that's interesting. So maybe we get to contribute something here for other people who've struggled with it. Yes. I mean, really, really fascinating. Like, you know, well, I mean, I guess that's a little bit of like, you know, Western medicine, but, but yeah, to just be told like, oh, it's probably genetic, but we don't know. And nobody really knows, but you'll probably get it again. And if you, if you are, you know, if you are going to have a subsequent pregnancy. And so it's just kind of like, I think probably, and I experienced that a little bit as well, you know, it's kind of like, well, there's nothing you can do. So hopefully, you know, you don't get it again. So yeah, I think there's, a ton that you can do. And the being protocol is just has made such a difference for me. So it's exciting. So when we met, we met May 5th, 2020, and you were 20 weeks pregnant. So that's where we began. But let's let's rewind. You this, yeah. you were pregnant with your third child. And yeah. how did your first two pregnancy goes? Like, well, tell me about your first pregnancy and what your diet was like and what yeah. the experience was. Yeah. Okay. Going down memory lane. So I have the memory of a goldfish. So this will <laughs> Don't we all? But yeah. So I got pregnant when I was just nearing 30. You know, I was seemingly, you know, felt like I was, I'm doing ear quotes so you can't see, but you know, healthy, right? I, you know, without going into too much detail, I just, I love food. I'm kind of a foodie, love kind of natural approaches to things, you know, really you know, felt like food had an impact in health, I guess. So I felt like I ate pretty healthy at the time, right? And so, and I think I was super naive (laughs) going into pregnancy and just really didn't see pregnancy necessarily as what could go wrong, right? It was like, oh, I'm healthy, I'm pregnant, I'm excited, all the things. And, And I, you know, had a pretty good, air quotes again, good pregnancy experience. And got to, gosh, I think I was about 34 weeks, 33 weeks and woke up in the middle of the night and I was just like itchy. The palms of my hands were super itchy. The bottoms of my feet were super itchy. Like I just, you know, walked out to the living room, got on my phone, Googled it and (laughs) self-diagnosed like, oh, I have this thing called cholesterol. So, you know, waited till I was seen. I was living in Madison, Wisconsin at the time, seeing the UW midwives who are essentially hospital midwives, a network of midwives. And so I called, called them in the morning and said, hi, I have cholestasis. <laughs> and they were like, well, you know, why don't you come in and do a blood test? So I went in, did a blood test and I had cholestasis. Mm-hmm. And so that really, you know, started the whole thing. It was basically, you know, take, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Ericidol, I believe is what the medication is called. And that's going to, you know, help, but essentially you need to be induced. And the recommendation based on, you know, data and, and such is 37 weeks. And that was, heart, you know, pretty heartbreaking because I had, you know, hoped to have a pretty natural birth experience. I didn't want to be induced. And I really didn't feel like I had enough time or no, you know, I wanted to keep my baby safe. And so it was like, yep, great. I will be induced. And, you know, luckily I had a great, you know, support system. And, you know, although I was kind of 
medically induced, I, you know, was able to avoid a lot of interventions, which was which was great. I had a pretty, you know, pretty good birthing experience. But as soon as I delivered, my blood pressure shot up. I was having blood clotting and they sort of said that I had preeclampsia. And 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 so that was one thing. And then the next day, you know, my baby was, you know, going through lots of different kind of tests and and had high bilirubin levels. Mm-hmm. And so we spent a few days, you know, not not terribly long, but we spent, I think, three days in in the NICU. And that was really, really, you know, I was looking around and seeing, you know, okay, I should feel very lucky for, you know, the position that, that we're in and, and my baby's going to be okay. You know, and you're seeing, you know, just the, you know, really traumatic things that that other families are experiencing on the NICU. And, but at the same time, you know, it's my first baby. I was not prepared for this and it was very emotional and, you know, it was, it was really hard. That was my first experience. That's my now seven-year-old Milo and he's, he's awesome. So, but it, it worked, it worked out and everything was fine, but it was, it's definitely, you know, a hard experience as a, as a first time mom. Oh yeah. And being a first time parent is kind of hard enough as it is. So to go through all that is intense. That's really intense. Yeah. What was the medication supposed to do for you at the time? Like what did they what did they say that taking that medication would do? Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I think I don't necessarily understand exactly what the medication does, but it was to essentially lower the bile salt levels and bring down the ALT and AST, which were really, really hot. So I didn't understand enough or I, I read enough to to understand that, you know, essentially in a simplistic way of describing it, cholestasis is, is basically, you know, your liver not being able to process bile. Right. And it builds up in the liver, which causes all kinds of problems. Exactly. Exactly. So that that medication is to essentially bring those levels down, but it it doesn't necessarily prevent, you know, some things like stillbirth. And and that's why they recommend induction. Okay, okay. And then how how many years later did you go on to have your second? Yeah. So my my two older kids are about exactly two years apart. So yeah, so a couple of years later, I was pregnant with with now Fiona, who is going to be turning five soon. And and yeah, I I was basically told if you get pregnant again, you're high risk for one, and and it's likely that you'll get cholestasis again. And so you know, making that decision to have another child was a little bit. Um, scary. I think you're, at least for me, like there's something biological that kind of wipes your memory a little yes. bit. <laughs> totally. Years down the road, I had a little bit of a rosy outlook or had kind of forgotten about the terrible experience. But but then I think going into my second pregnancy, it was more fearful. It was a little bit more like, okay, um, I hope I don't get cholestasis again. And again, as a person that, you know, cared about food and and cared about health and, and things like that, I did some, I remember, you know, Googling and Googling and looking and trying to figure out what I could, could do. And, and you, you know, the internet, you meet a lot of dead ends. I'm like, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. And I knew enough that, okay, this is the liver. I need to support my liver. How can I support my liver? And 
I, the information that was was coming up for me was, you know, herbs. So, you know, I I took milk thistle. You know, I tried to 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 eat really healthy. You know, lots of lots of veggies. Mainly, I wasn't you know focused on soluble fiber. I wasn't focused on fiber. I wasn't focused on on protein. You know, some of the things that that later. You know, I, I, in this pregnant, this recent pregnancy, I changed a lot of, but at the time, you know, I kind of looked to pregnancy safe herbs that would support the liver. And I made it a little bit further. I was really hopeful to not get cholestasis and I made it maybe close to 36 weeks. And so, but again, it was like, well, you have cholestasis. And so, we want to do is induce you and so I was kind of met with the same the same failure you know it felt it felt like oh you know there I thought maybe I was in the clear and and I didn't I didn't, wasn't able to do it so did you have the same uh, symptoms like the itching hands and feet yep and it was kind of like a light switch it was just all of a sudden and you just you you knew so yeah did did it come for, with any other symptoms for you or was the itching the main symptom? For me, that was really the only symptom. Oh, wow. Sounds irritating too, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really yeah, is. And then were you, before getting pregnant, during pregnancy, have you always just been a really healthy person as far as like your general health goes? There would be no inkling of something like this happening or did it run in your family? Two questions there. Yeah, it did not run in my family. And uh, I, when I heard you say a healthy person, I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'm actually not that healthy. Um, oh, what? <laughs> relative, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you've never had any health issues. Let's put it that way. Like you've never, yeah, no, maybe. Well, you know, I think it's so interesting, right? Because I think there's like, you you say air quotes healthy and then you start to kind of peel back these layers right and as you get older it's like oh there's this little thing and this little thing and and it all kind of comes to to a head or it you know it, it it's interconnected right like i had had issues with acne since the beginning of time it felt like i you know my my mom took me to the dermatologist and they gave me antibiotics and mm-hmm. so i would pop antibiotics like it, it it was nothing and then when that when that would end i would get a different kind of antibiotic and so that was that was the norm when i was growing up i had um painful periods so take birth control right so i had been on birth control for many many years since a at a pretty young age, honestly. So before getting pregnant, even with my first, I had one day I woke up and didn't have peripheral kind of vision in my left eye. Wow. Uh, and went like all my, all my friends at work are like, you can have a brain tumor. And so I saw ophthalmologists and I went to UW and saw their ophthalmologist and did a bunch of tests and they didn't really know what it was essentially. And then after quite a bit of testing diagnosed me with an, something with an acronym called as like azure. I don't actually really understand it, but it's basically like, oh, this is sort of could be autoimmune, but we don't really know. So again, it was kind of like, okay, so I just sort of go to <laughs> going through life, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm I'm healthy. 
you know, but I can't like, <laughs> I don't have peripheral vision out of my left eye when it's really sunny outside. So all these things kind of, you know, just sort of add up, right? So it's like, yes, in theory, I feel healthy, but all these things connected. And, you know, I, I, I think there's just so many people that don't really understand the foundations of how their body works and what we need to do to support the body. So, so yeah, so I mean, it's like, it's interesting. I don't know that I can say necessarily that I was healthy, but I, I didn't know enough to, to really, you know, be able to put those things all together, I guess. Well, and the internet is kind of this incredible blessing and curse because yeah. before when we didn't have it, have it, we had to go to the library or really rely right. on the knowledge of our trusted practitioners. And now we can do a ton of research on our own, which yeah. sometimes makes everything worse because we're like, I'm definitely dying. My, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's a really interesting conversation. Health, it's something that is innate. You know, we're mostly not necessarily always born healthy, right? as you right. saw. But our parents are not trained doctors. Most of them are are like I was and like you were, which was like, hey, I'm healthy enough and I'm ready to have babies and let's have babies versus like, oh, maybe I should prepare my body for right. a child. And maybe my partner should prepare. I mean, until recently, they didn't even think the guy played a role in the health of the child, right? It was exactly. like, oh, you're just donating sperm and it's all her, right? So now we can do a lot of research on our behalf for better or for worse. And and when I was unwell, I did a lot of research. And, you know, it's interesting because this protocol has been around for 38 years, but you couldn't find it and I couldn't find it because as 10 years ago when I was looking for answers, it just wasn't showing up anywhere. So right. when I healed with it, I made it my mission to be out there enough that more people could find this protocol and at least have it as an option for their health imbalances. All of these other interventions that are out there are incredible and they're wonderful. I'm really glad they're there. But if you right. are looking for a holistic approach to your health question, this is an incredible option and it's here. And, you know, it's like the more I can spread it, Yes. The happier I get because I'm like, it's cheap. The hardest yeah. tool is your dedication and commitment to it, right? Which is a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's a really big deal. And I think it's the the one thing I often think about is like, gosh, you know, it took me, you know, three pregnancies, you know, 37 years. You know, it took, it. it's taken me so long to get to where I am today and what I've learned. And it's, you know, it it's not easy to to learn how to take care of our human bodies, you know. And these are things that we should be tools that we should be given at a very early age and that we should understand. And that's one of the things that I love in in talking to you and in talking or in hearing rather, you know, Karen Bird talking is like it the way that it's described is in such a way that's like so physical you know it's like I when I hear Karen talk it's like you know and then there's the organs and you know here comes the <laughs> here comes the vital. and like the way that it's described you just can visualize like okay this is how my body is working and this is how I can heal myself so yes I think just understanding what 
you know, what beans are doing, what soluble fiber is doing in your body, how your body works and functions is just, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable that we don't under, don't often understand that. Well, it's still very misunderstood in the medical field. So it's not like, you know, there when you research soluble fiber and under Google Scholar, it'll give you a lot of incredible antidotes of why it's important to have in your diet for your heart health and different things. But it's not all kind of put together yet. And I think that was the genius of Karen is really putting her masters to work and really decoding the you know, how soluble fiber works and why it works and why it's such an important part of our diet. And, you know, where our parents didn't have a manual for raising us, we didn't have manuals for raising ourselves or for raising another person. And to kind of loop back a little bit to your acne and getting antibiotics and medications, acne at a young age is really confronting. And for parents, it's really confronting for them. And you can see that okay, this trusted person is saying that this is what we need to do so that you can feel your best and look your best. And it's that momentary working on the superficial without contemplating the long term, right? Or going, okay, if I'm going to have you on these antibiotics, we're going to have a fiber diet or we're going to fortify your diet with probiotics, something to help protect your gut during this time that you're you're doing this short-term measure. But it's it's just such such fragmented information and the doctors only know what they're taught, right? So they're regurgitating information. So unless they're really advocating on behalf of their education and continued education, the path to getting to that elevated knowledge is slow and they're really just Mm -hmm. passing on what they know. So, you know, I think about you and I go, I wonder how your gut was after that or if you (laughs) ever had gut issues if you were sitting on antibiotics for such a long time and birth control, which are two factors that really affect the gut. So I'm curious, have you ever had gut issues that you noticed in your life? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for asking. You know, I think a couple of things I didn't mention in the slew of other things was food sensitivities. Sensitivities really showed up at an older age. You know, I did the food sensitivity testing, which you know, for, I don't know whether or not it's necessarily the best route, but I, at the time was like, oh, okay. I did it with both of my sister-in-laws and their list of food sensitivities real, very short. And my, <laughs> I get mine back and it's like this laundry list of things. So it's like, okay, well, I won't eat almonds and I won't eat carrots and I won't eat eggs and I won't eat gluten. Um, So started cutting these things out. That did not help my acne. I feel like I was always sort of predisposition to to constipation mm-hmm. uh, and didn't really, you know, understand kind of the, the importance and necessity for not having that. Those were two of the indicators of uh, of gut issues that that I had. I do remember getting kind of like those terrible stomach aches that are like that gas bubble ceiling. I get those pretty frequently as well. And so yeah, a number of things I think directly pointed to to gut issues. And it's interesting now that I'm eating eggs, I'm eating different foods that I'm not having reactions to. I'm not having issues with. I'm not ever getting those those stomach aches that I used to get, things like that. So yeah, that's really definitely gut health. At the time, I think it's like, oh, well, I have food sensitivities. Well, I never really knew that, oh, there's root causes here, or it it might actually be 
permeability in your gut or, you know, issues that that can be resolved without having to just not eat the food. Right. And that to me, when I look at food sensitivities, also based on experience, when having Crohn's disease is the ultimate, you know, gut permeability, I was allergic to everything, everything, because basically those tight junctions are opened up, the mucosal lining is damaged, and food is really getting into the bloodstream incorrectly. So food sensitivities, the body mounts a histamine response, and voila, you've got this response going on. Okay, in my case, I could eat nothing. I literally could eat nothing. So how am I going to survive if I can't eat nothing? And I think what's interesting is that pulling those foods out are really immediately to stop that response. But the bigger step is, okay, but how do we heal your gut so that you can actually add these foods back in? I can eat everything. And I talk to people with gut issues who are like, I can't eat gluten and I can't eat this. And I'm like, wow, I can eat gluten. I can eat everything. My life right now is more about what do I want to eat that supports my best health versus I can't eat these things because my gut is a mess. And to me, it's like step one, remove the food. Step two, heal the gut so you can have those foods again. Yeah. But yeah, when I was looking at, you know, antibiotics and birth control, I was like, oh, Girl, your gut must have been just all messed up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of stuff, but let's bring it back around to May 5th, 2020, 20 weeks pregnant. You and I hopped yeah. on the phone. What had happened leading up to that moment where you decided to have me create a protocol for you? Yeah. Well, a little bit of a journey. So I think I first heard about the bean protocol in 2019. So well before oh, getting my third. And I, like a light bulb went off. It was, it really piqued my interest. Well, for a few reasons, but I think one kind of funny story that I'll, that I'll add is, you know, I always hear people are like beans, you know, no, no way. That's going to make me gassy or that won't help. (laughs) You know, for me, I was the complete opposite. I was like, beans. (laughs) I'm so excited because there's sort of like a, There's a little saying in my family that is Bowman's light beans. Uh, Yeah, Bowman (laughs) is my maiden name. And it's like my grandpa always used to say, Bowman's light beans. We had beans at like every family function, not with lap, you know, not, they were not organic. They were not, you know, so (laughs) pressure cooked. We're talking like, you know, bushes baked beans at every, at every family gathering. And my stepdad, you know, was more of a, you know, he had taken like French cooking lessons and, you know, just he he was more of a foodie. And so I think he was sort of appalled at, at at these, you know, bush (laughs) beans at every meal. And I remember too, you know, my stepdad would be gone for evenings. And if he was, if he was out of the house, my mom would, you know, treat me to our, our sort of secret meal, which was beaners and wieners. (laughs) We would have wishes baked beans with hot dogs in it, which sounds absolutely disgusting now. But in any case, that was exciting as a kid. And uh, my mom always used to tell Tell my stepdad, you know, Bowman's like beans. And so I've carried that tradition forward in my marriage where I have, you know, often told told my husband, you know, oh, Bowman's like beans. And so anyways, hearing the, you know, hearing about the bean protocol, you know, was like, yeah, I like beans. Bowman's like beans. But in any case, I kind of the the other part that really piqued my interest was was understanding the functions of you know what's happening with the bile and what's happening with the liver and 
And just hearing that, it was like, oh my gosh, where was this in my pregnancies? Because that sounds exactly like what landed me with cholestasis. And so, so I started incorporating beans. We had talked about having a third child, but I feel like having three kids is like kind of feels like a lot. And, uh, and then COVID happened. And so we kind of put that on pause. And so I was working on my health. I was working, I was researching a lot. I wasn't really fully doing the bean protocol. I was, I was really playing around with a lot of healing modalities, a lot of nutrition, just, I guess, trying it, trying it all a little bit, going kind of all the routes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and so then I got pregnant in early January of 2022. And my first trimester was terrible. It was kind of like, oh my gosh, what have I done? A little bit of an anxiety spiral. I felt like maybe I wasn't healed enough. Was I putting this child in danger by potentially getting cholestasis again? I felt really awful. Like the pre about the most expensive, most best possible prenatal. It made me like just, it was, I was sick anytime I took it. I just felt really terrible in the first trimester and, and beans just did not sound appealing. I think I had been feeling a lot of pressure to like make recipes and I, you know, with, you know, soak the beans and pressure cook the beans. And that was like too many steps. Like I just didn't have the energy for it. And So in March, they did a full panel of tests and my ALT was elevated already. And I'm in my first trimester. So I panicked (laughs) and I started eating beans. I just knew like that I needed to eat beans. So I started eating beans. They tested me again, did the full panel again in April, one month later. And my ALT had dropped significantly back in range. Everything looked good. And so that was like, oh my God, (laughs) you know, like I, I actually, you know, saw the, the change so quickly and that was awesome. But I, I was high risk pregnancy. I had moved. So I wasn't in, in Madison any longer. So the prenatal options were not the same. The the midwives that we have here, I wasn't really happy with. They're very limited. So it's it's likely that you will end up with an OB based on their sort of on-call schedule. So I was kind of trying to figure out what provider I was going to use, went for an appointment. They said I had glucose in my urine. And because of my age, they wanted me to do an early gestational diabetes one-hour fasting test. And if anyone has done that test, it's the terrible, horrible orange drink. And so I said, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want to do that. And I opted to do a glucose monitor. And so that was like the, the next thing where it was like, okay, well, you know, I, I just saw this great improvement in my T levels and I think I can, I felt really, really excited that, you know, I had this, this tool and had something to be hopeful about in terms of um, supporting my, my liver, supporting my body and, and potentially, you know, not, not getting cholestasis again. And then it was like, oh, and now you need to worry about gestational diabetes. <laughs> and so that led me to setting up time with you because I thought, okay, am I, what can I, what should I do? What can I do with the bean protocol? I, am I doing enough? What, 
I needed, I needed a, a pep talk. I needed some, you know, coaching. I just felt like I needed kind of like in a, uh, like a, an accountability buddy, like, you know, an expert. I needed someone to guide me through the protocol because I'm a, I have a hard time with routines. I'm a manifesting generator. If that means anything to anyone, I don't think I'm doing eating the beans enough in a therapeutic way where I needed some, some extra support to figuring out, okay, how do I, how do I keep going? Yeah. And I, I love that. I mean, your note to me was, I understand this protocol. I just want some professional help to know that I am headed in the right direction and to really affirm what you were doing and, and, you know, connect on that level. So it was, it was really wonderful. And I just want to touch on something you said really quick. You said in the first trimester wasn't great and the bean prep and all that stuff was overwhelming. And for anybody listening, I just want to say that there's this ideal, which is, yes, fresh beans are amazing. Soaking your beans are beautiful. Pressure cooking them even better. But if all of that is just overwhelming, as it was for me, by the way, I spent the first year on the protocol incredibly sick and cooking beans was not part of my plan. I didn't have the energy to stand and cook. So I was opening up cans of organic beans and rinsing them and eating them cold half of the time because I didn't even want to wait to heat them up. So I just want to take all of that pressure off and say, if you're considering this, just really start small, go slow, open a can of beans, you know, and don't worry about the whole cooking process to take some of that pressure off yourself. And, you know, it's also interesting that part of the first trimester is nausea, but also part of cholestasis can be nausea. Did you ever have that later in the pregnancy, the nausea part of it? I didn't, but I do know that that can be part of it. And I wonder if I would have been able to actually, you know, not have quite the nausea. Because they do say that first tri- trimester nausea is likely normal stagnation or related to to hormones in, in your liver. And so, yeah, I wish I kind of wish I could report back had I been eating beans in the first trimester. I work with a lot of women to help them get pregnant. And yeah. I'm just going to say that I have probably 5% of my clients who get pregnant can actually eat beans in the first trimester. So <laughs> don't feel bad about it. It's it's like this weird texture and it's a, it's a thing about, it is a thing about a thing. Yeah. I just wanted to say, you know, one of the things that you really empowered me with was exactly what you just said. Like you said to me, just snack on beans. And that was so empowering. That was so relieving, I guess. And I was like, really? Like, am I, is that okay? <laughs> can I, can I do that? It doesn't feel purist, I guess. And so that was, it was actually like, no, yeah, this, that's exactly what you should do. And so, and another thing that you said was like a couple tablespoons is, is a serving, you know? So I exactly. I got the jovial mm. jars of beans. I got those, you know, rinsed them and I would I would just snack on them throughout the day. And that was so much easier than, you know, trying to come up with, you know, all the steps and 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 figuring out recipes and things like that. So that was that made a huge difference for me. Oh, yeah. And you're juggling a full life. It's not like this was your first baby. You're juggling oh. a lot. So to put time and effort in on your diet is a Herculean effort. So I congratulate you. So, okay. So we, t- we chatted and then what, how did this third pregnancy go for you? Yeah. So after I got through the first trimester, I started eating the beans, you know, 
that really things turned around. My, my end of second trimester and through third trimester was was really good. Felt really good. And um, I think the gestational diabetes kind of flip, having done the glucose monitor, was like an extra layer that helped me to really understand my body and and really be you know have a feeling of of being able to heal myself because seeing those numbers I would recommend anyone who's pregnant to do anyone really rather to use a glucose monitor it is so cool to see how you eat you know what happens what spikes your glucose what doesn't really great to see beans not spike your glucose to really understand kind of the 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 interplay with with protein for me was really helpful to have you know higher protein meals have beans with meals was really helping and the snaps of beans as well not spiking um my glucose either you know it's again kind of going back to that like oh i'm i eat healthy right but i did not eat in a way that supported my glucose at all and so understanding that at a deeper level was hugely helpful for me too. And so I did the glucose monitor. I did it twice for 10 days. And so that was was really helpful. And then I would actually check my glucose every once in a while too, to kind of see what, where things were at. Yeah. And then it was kind of funny through the pregnancy. I, you know, wasn't really happy with the the provider options. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really, I, fell in love with the birthing process. And so I sort of had this like, oh, I, you know, really want to have a home birth. Like, I don't want to have to, if anyone has had a baby in the hospital or seen like the sunny, you know, TikTok videos of you know, what what it's like to have a, a nurse in the hospital, like bothering you every mm-hmm. 10 seconds after you've given birth to a baby and you're exhausted. You know, that sort of postnatal experience is is the worst in my opinion. And so I really sort of had this idea of like, well, I, I want to have a home birth. And everyone, you know, I think it's, there's going to be a wide range of opinions and, you know, differences, you know, here. But in the place where I live and in my family system, uh, you know, that's crazy. <laughs> you should you should not do that, right? And so I said, well, I know I'm high risk. I don't want to, you know, do anything that's going to put this baby in danger. But if I don't get cholestasis, I'm going to have a home birth. Mm-hmm. And so I started seeing a home birth midwife tandem with seeing the in-network midwives through the, the health system. And so I did all the, you know, testing. I did the ultrasounds. I did, you know, I did the things in kind of the, the traditional sense. But then I saw a midwife at the same time. And uh, yeah, I made it to 37 weeks and I didn't have cholestasis. I upped my beans at the end. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of times that I felt like I was a little bit itchy mm-hmm. after a certain meal, things like that. I don't know if that was in my head necessarily, but I don't think so. And so I would, you know, make sure that I was having beans. I would eat beans, a little bit of beans before bed. It helped me sleep better because again, that glucose, I think, you know, having been a little snack of beans before bed really helped. And I made it to 37 weeks. I didn't have cholestasis. And so that was when it got kind of real, like, oh, 
I have to confront all of these, you know, these sort of societal, you know, I have to confront some of my birth trauma. I have to, you know, confront, you know, sort of all of these ideas of, of, of birthing and decided to move forward with a home birth. And I thought that my baby would be early and she was born at 40 weeks and two days. So pretty much right on time, a couple of days late. And she was a big, healthy baby. So nine pounds, which I'm pretty wow. proud of. I'm wow. Four and very petite. <laughs> wow. Uh, and it was a really, you know, incredible experience. And I, I, you know, felt like I worked really hard for it. But, you know, the, the most, the thing that was the best was, you know, being able to see this healthy baby that I had supported my body and supported, you know, my baby. And, and so that was, it was really cool. And you had the birth story that you wanted, you know, that you were waiting for, that you envisioned for yourself. You were able to give that to yourself. And I'm just so emotional right now because I can visualize this whole thing of that moment of getting to 37 weeks and being like, what's, you know, is this thing that's happened twice before going to happen again? And what is that, you know, what if it does, what if it doesn't? And and just that moment of, I would imagine, relief as things did not progress in that direction. Yeah, it was. It was a huge relief, but it, it was also kind of a a mind game, a different kind of challenge because I, you know, had an experience like, oh, go, what is going into natural birth look like? You know, when is it going to happen? <laughs> So how is this going to go? So and there's just, a, there's a lot there. It's, a, it's an emotional, mentally challenging process, no matter what your experience is, I think. So that was, it was very, uh, very cool to, to experience, you know, what I had, what I had, you know, really hoped for. Was there any comment from, I guess it was different doc, different system that you gave birth to, but it is interesting when you're set up to believe that you know, it's going to happen every pregnancy if it happened the first time, right? So there's almost this part that you're, you're stealing yourself for this moment. Yeah. And yeah. that, oh, if it happened twice before, it'll definitely happen again. And so to move through that is powerful. That is a powerful thing to move through. Letting go of that belief that, oh, it has to be the same way. It is. I did do some like some somatic work. I, I did like an energy clear. I mean, I really had to do a lot mentally more than I, <laughs> more than I thought. But I think that also contributes to your, you know, your physical health and, and the outcomes that I saw as well. And yet, but yeah, it was, it was, it was work. <laughs> um, beautiful though. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you got the pregnancy experience that you had so wanted and and what a gift yeah yeah this yeah. answers the question very clearly because it's a funny world we live in when the the top question i get from pregnant moms is is this safe can i eat beans while i'm pregnant and and i'm like wait what how did we get to this conversation <laughs> that a, a whole food could be not good for you i take a lot of pregnant mom nursing moms postpartum it helps with postpartum depression there's so many different applications to eating well, and it's just beautiful. And so how are you postpartum? How, where are you now? How's everything feeling? Yeah. So Lila is eight weeks or two months. At some point, I think you switch over. You start saying my child's 
54 months. So she's two months and I feel really good. I, I'm, you know, I, I think at first, right, I kind of had that question right in my head of like, well, beans, is that going to cause reflux or is that going to make my, you know, baby gas? Is that like the ultimate thing you want to avoid? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, but she's done great. You know, I, I feel better on beans and, and she's done awesome. No issues. So yeah, we're definitely incorporating beans, not quite to the extent of the therapeutic way that I was, I was doing at the end of pregnancy, but definitely frequently. And yeah, I, I have definitely some sleep deprivation, but much less brain fog than I remember feeling, much less fatigue than I remember feeling in my cryo pregnancy. So yeah, it's been, it's been awesome overall. Amazing. If, if you could share anything with mamas out there dealing with the same health, pregnancy health situation, what would you say to them? Well, I really think a couple of things. You can heal yourself. You can take that into your own hands. You can, you know, really have, have that empowerment. And, um, I think it was actually really cool because I've had a couple of instances where I've gotten connected with a few women, one that is, is pregnant and one that is, was kind of nervous to, to get pregnant, but wants to. And so to be able to kind of share my story and ha- see them kind of go through the process of, of researching the beans and the bean protocol and and seeing the relief that they have felt in having that knowledge, I think that has been so rewarding, uh, just two people, but it's, I think that's, that's the thing I would say is I, I spread the word <laughs> because there is a you know, you have something right at your fingertips in your pantry, potentially that, that can, can save so much, you know, heartache, so much challenge, right? At just eating. <laughs> that's, that's about it. It's pretty simple, but, but that's, that's, I guess what I would, would share with moms. Well, thank you. What I was going to say is never underestimate the power of touching two others because then those other two can touch two more. And I think that's how we share these kind of what shouldn't be secrets, but it felt like a secret when I found it 10 years ago. And I have done everything in my womanly powers to spread the word in all of the ways that I can, because in a world that is intent on making healthcare incredibly expensive to know that if you have the dedication and the desire that you have this incredible tool that empowers you. I do think that what you said is key, which is to feel empowered and take responsibility. Those are two things that are key elements to stepping up in that way. Thank you again for your time and for sharing your intimate story. I never take this for granted that, you know, this is a real stepping out to do something like this. So thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate you giving me a moment to to share and it's been so nice to get to know you a little bit. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed Jana's healing story on the Bean Protocol and all of the incredible information that she shared with you today. I thank you for joining me wherever you are in this beautiful world. If you are looking for a personalized plan, I am still offering health consultations and I have an e-course if you are looking for 
doing the bean protocol at your own pace and downloading all of that information that I've provided. I will in the future be running eight week challenges for those who want to clean up their diet and add more soluble fiber in. That's soon to come. You can find all of this information and how to work with me at yourgreat.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E great.com. And on Instagram at Unique Hammond.